Welcome to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. My name is Joe McMurray. And I'm Aaron Sefchik. And today we have with us Marcella Dominguez, who is a trademark lawyer, and she's going to talk to us about trademarks and copyrights as they pertain to the music industry. So welcome, Marcella. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. yeah. We're thrilled to uh, dig into this topic that a lot of musicians, they, <laughs> they don't really understand the, the details and... I personally have a connection because I applied for a trademark for one of my previous bands and was denied and uh, felt like I wasted a lot of money. And uh, I'm sure there are people that are interested in doing it and don't know how. And there are probably other people who never thought to even apply for a trademark who probably should. Yeah. So that's right. We're glad to have you. Well, thank you so much. And yes, I'm excited to share everything there is to know because uh, you said it perfectly. I think we don't know what we don't know until someone makes us aware. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you're shedding light on this topic. Yeah. So do you, do you have musical clients right now? Yes, I have a couple of clients that have registered um, the name of their band. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm always really happy and impressed, happily impressed when they are initiating these steps toward registering their band's trademark, because it, it means, hopefully it means that they understand the benefit of having the trademark, um, and what benefits it confers. And what are those benefits? <laughs> yeah, yeah. benefits? Yeah. So, so, okay. So everybody has a basic understanding of what trademarks are, if they understand what trademarks are. And that usually is that if I trademark this name, nobody else is going to be allowed to use it. So if I trademark my band name as Metallica, nobody else is going to be able to trademark a name that sounds like Metallica, um, that looks like Metallica, or that is Metallica. So it's not always the exact same name, but it's something that looks like or also sounds like my name. And only I will be able to use it within a certain category. Okay. That's why it was denied. The band was called Albino Rhino, and we tried to trademark our logo. Mm -hmm. And it was an oval shape, and it had a rhinoceros and some smoke around it and the words. And they said that it was too similar to Rhino Records. Mm -hmm. I thought it was crazy because <laughs> the uh, you know it says rhino in different lettering with an oval the other way. Yes. No picture of a rhinoceros had none of the artistic stuff we had. Didn't have a color associated with it. But you know, three hundred dollars or whatever it was later. Yeah. Tons of paperwork, like fifty pages of paperwork, and I just felt like defeated by it. <laughs> Yes, and I love that you brought that up because that is exactly what the problem is the majority of the of the time when there is an issue. So it's never going to be an issue of someone using the exact same name, right? Nobody's going to be, I don't want to say dumb enough, but I mean, hopefully nobody's going to be dumb enough to register the name Metallica under, you know, musical live performances or entertainment live performances because they already are aware that Metallica exists, right? But most of the time, there's going to be an issue because it's going to be something similar too. So in your situation, of course, you didn't think there was going to be a problem because it's not the exact same name as maybe this big record company or even if they're not big, you know, somebody that has been around for quite some time and you just simply weren't aware. But the fact that they are confusingly similar is what poses an issue. 
So it doesn't have to actually be confusing. It just has to be, have the potential to be confusingly similar. So what do you do? Is your, what, should we have tra like changed our name at that point or um, what well, do you do? Yeah, um, so there are a couple of options. Like once you're at that point, um, you're kind of at a fork in the road and you have to ask yourself, how badly do I want to keep this name? And how badly do I want to invest my financial resources? Because I don't know what financial position you're in. But if you've decided that you want to invest and you really want to keep this name, then what a lawyer can do is they can draft arguments in support of a registration. And the trademark examiner has to be convinced by these arguments that your mark is not confusingly similar to the cited marks in your office action. And sometimes it could just be one-sided mark, which it sounds like was the case for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it could be a number of marks. But our job is to use case law to say, you know what? His mark is not going to be confusingly similar because of a variety of reasons, including the fact that, uh, you know, there are lots of other marks that sound like his that have been in existence for a long period of time. Therefore, they can coexist. Mm -hmm. um, without confusion in the marketplace, or it could be simply that you guys have different spellings, you have different logos, there are different colors, some things that you already touched on, and then a variety of other things that case law presents. But a well-drafted argument might, in some cases, change the trademark examiner's mind and convince them that yours is worthy of registration. Wow, okay. Wow. But you have to be willing to invest extra money in that. Yeah. I mean, it depends what kind of arrangement you've already worked out for your trademark application. Um, but most of the time, drafting these types of arguments does require a small investment um, because it takes it takes time to draft these arguments. You know, I mean, it's not something you can just whip up in five minutes. I mean, maybe. <laughs> But um, most of the time, it takes a little bit longer than five minutes. I guess if you've got a following, you've built a following, and you've built, That's you've right. released albums and stuff, then it is probably much cheaper to hire a trademark lawyer than to start all over. Yes, that's right. Most of the time, people who choose to move forward are people who have already invested in brand promotion, whether that means advertising materials, products. Um, or, you know, in, in this case, lots of musical performances already, mm -hmm. um, you know, brand merchandise, uh, anything like that. Um, but you know, there are some people who are just starting out that just really love their name and they're so passionate about it because they took the time to think about it. They have an emotional connection to it and really they can't stand and I don't blame them. They can't stand, you know, someone else having that name or using that name or being told no. Yeah. So I want to go back to the idea of like, why do you even need to trademark it in the first place? Like we were denied and then we just continued playing as a band, releasing music for years. And we never actually dealt with any consequences of not having it. But that being said, we never made it big so it, yeah. as a as a lower level like if you're not trying to be katie perry famous like <laughs> is there actually what are the benefits if you're just like a 
playing gigs around town, making a living, but not getting famous or not okay. living, just doing it for fun. You know, uh, there are some people that say like, I am not big. I don't plan on being big. I don't need one, you know? Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is that if you, I mean, there are, there are a number of reasons why, but you know, if you really want to be, uh, recognized or have that validation from the marketplace, I think that having a registered trademark definitely asserts some kind of position that maybe other brands who are not registered don't have. So for example, when you think of brands like um, any major brand like Toyota, Puma, Mercedes, BMW, Adidas, um, you know, those guitars behind you, uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure each has a registered trademark. Yep. Um, you know, you look at those and you, uh, you think of something when you look at that brand. You know, it conjures something in your mind like, I respect this brand. I trust this brand. This brand has been around for a really long time. And most of the time, when you want to solidify that prestige in the mind of your consumers, having a registered trademark, I think, solidifies that, that relationship without you even knowing it. You know, you trust these brands in the marketplace and the extra step that they've taken is to protect that brand so then somebody can't step in and steal that uh, relationship. It's not just the brand name that they're stealing, but it's also the relationship that they have built with their consumers that would be stolen as well. Imagine if somebody else just started putting Adidas on their um t-shirts you know you wouldn't you wouldn't know which is the real adidas from the fake adidas unless it was for that registered trademark symbol but that registered trademark symbol now in your mind you're like oh okay that's the one that i've been going to that's the one that i've known for all these years and without it if somebody else used it well adidas would be pissed but then you would also be confused and maybe you wouldn't even be receiving the same quality from this non-registered adidas brand so it does a lot from the perspective of the trademark holder, and it does a lot also from the perspective of the consumer, you know? Um, so I, I hope that kind of helped you understand what it is. Yeah, I think with a trademark, I think, yes, it does command a bit of, I think when you are ready to make that, that, that step into trademarking your brand, um, it does incorporate this professionalism into your brand. Uh, yes. you're, you're ready to take it up to that next step. I think also what it does is it protects you um, from others maybe encringing on what you've already built. I know within the podcasting forums, there's, I've seen quite a few um, people post about, hey, um, we may not be all that big, but I did notice that there is another podcast who is calling themselves the same thing as us. Now mm -hmm. with a trademark, you actually have the ability now to send out a cease and desist um, letter saying, hey, we own this, you need to 
back off. So it does kind of give you that authority as well, which is, which is nice to have because you own your brand now that you've gone through the process of building this empire that you have, whether it be small or big, uh, you own it and nobody else can touch it, which is really nice. Yes. And I think that you vocalized everything I said much better than I just did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) No, but yes, you translated what I was saying perfectly. I I mean, uh, authority, authority was the main word that came to mind. So back to my experience with Albino Rhino, Uh there was actually a part of the reason we were trying to get it is because there this is like two years into the band and having played a lot of shows, we realized that there was a Finnish or a Swedish Albino Rhino doom metal band, totally different kind of music than our like funk, blues, rock, jazz, whatever it, it changed the music, but they actually emailed us saying we should change our name. And we were like, who are these people? Like we've been around for a long time. Still don't know which band came first, but we're like, I'm going to, trademark this so we have the legal upper hand was my Mm -hmm. thinking um that being said they weren't even in the united states so does your trademark with the united states copyright office protect you outside of the united states that's a really good question and so actually it kind of circles back to what i wanted to um comment um to what um he said just before you ask this question. And that's that you don't have to have a registered trademark in order to send a cease and desist letter. But now back to what you said, you felt like you were getting the upper hand, right? I mean, you can use a registered trademark as a little bit of leverage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really sound too great if you send a cease and desist letter and you don't have a registered trademark, though brands do do it because they feel like, you know what, I've been around for a really long time. I have common law rights in the name. Um, and I've been selling all across the United States. I've been, my music is heard all across the United States and all across the world. So then that's where people, um, feel like, okay, my common law rights have extended beyond the geographical territory where I started. And that's probably why if they didn't have a registered trademark felt like they could send you a cease and desist letter because their common law rights had now extended beyond the area where they started. My music is heard worldwide. I have a right to use this name worldwide. Um, And so I'm going to send them a cease and desist letter to stop. Now, when you have a registered trademark, you don't have to rely on those common law rights and whether or not you have been actually meeting the definition of use beyond the geographical area where you started. Does that make sense? So a registered trademark just kind of takes the place of all that. It takes the place of, do I meet the definition? Have I met the criteria? Have I extended the, let's forget about that. A registered trademark tells me I can use it in the United States. So so I don't have to worry about common law rights and meeting the definition. So in your situation, if they are in another country and they ha- their music has permeated through the US, I'm assuming they were now relying on that if they didn't have a registered trademark to tell you to stop using the name. Mm-hmm. And so common law rights is another can of worms, um, you know, which raises a whole nother set of issues as always with the law. Um, <laughs> like how long have they been using in the US? Where have they been selling their music? How many listeners do they have? 
you know, how exactly does their reach, uh, how deep is their reach? Um, how broad is their reach? Um, and, you know, the, these are questions, like I said, that just become so um, technical almost that if you just want to avoid this, um, I think it's better to have a registered trademark um, and ha having the registered trademark would just say, you know what, I've registered in the U.S. And you still have to prove use, though, even with the registered trademark. But, you know, it, it, it becomes like we were talking about, you kind of have the upper hand, you know, mm. you don't you don't have to get as. Um, I think to put it simply. People won't badger you as hard with the registered trademark though they will require you to prove use mm -hmm. um there are some implicit understandings with the registered trademark so now i i perform solo the, the majority of the time and so i i it says joe mcmurray music i'm on the schedule as joe mcmurray that's my name it's not like mm -hmm. a name i made up it's literally my name do <laughs> uh -huh. i need like there are a couple when i searched i've test searched to see you know test out my search engine optimization and that sort of thing. I go go to Google and type my name in. There are other Joe McMurray's in the world. There's another musician, Joe McMurray. There's a drummer. What uh -huh. is, I mean, can you, can somebody trademark their name? And if so, like, what is, what would the other Joe McMurray, what's he supposed to do? It's his name. It's legally his name. Yeah. So that's a great question also. You know, in order to register your name, um you should have some sort of uh and i'm putting this in total layman's terms right like you need to have like people need to have some kind of understanding of who you are i mean mm -hmm. i i can't just go and register my name you probably can go and just register your name but kim kardashian can go and do that um madonna can go and do that mm -hmm. um uh, you know bono can go and do that I mean, these people who, when you say their name and people automatically know who they are, can go and do that um, because people understand who they are, where they come from, what they offer. There's a connection between the name and the market offering. But with us, that's not necessarily so. So once you get to that point, you know, um, of notoriety, so to speak, uh, I, it becomes easier to trademark your name. But up until that point, you should probably attach something else to your name um, that would allow people to not necessarily just judge the, or that would allow the trademark examiner to judge your mark based on not solely your name, but on some other kind of factor, like um, adding lectures or a podcast at the end or whatever it is that you're, uh, his band, like Joe's band, or um, I don't know, something else. Right. Fret buzz podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Something that differentiates you from somebody else. That's the descriptor almost. Right. Something that's attached to your name that isn't that makes it so that you're not solely relying on the person's name for the registration. Joe, when you hit Madonna status, you let me know, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm less interested in trying to trademark my name, but more interested in making sure that nobody can like tell me to stop using my name like that was what would worry me if that was a possibility that somebody could like send me a cease and desist like you can't um, yourself as joe mcmurray 
it's less likely to happen unless your name is Kim Kardashian too. Yeah. That'd be so any parents out there don't name your child after uh, <laughs> stars. Cause then they could actually run into problems. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, maybe we need to, to think about this with Fred Buzz, the podcast. Like, yeah, I've, I have been, I'm thinking I need to <laughs> trademark this. Yeah. Fred Buzz, the podcast. I think, um, I think that's unique. Yeah. I think it's unique. I, I, I don't think it's totally, I mean, granted it does use words that individually and separately are found in the English dictionary. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't think that it would be descriptive. Well, fret, um, fret buzz is the, it's the problem with your guitar. It's like oh, a, it? a common when your action is too low. When the strings are uh -huh. too low, it'll mm -hmm. actually make a buzzing sound. Uh huh. But so what we like about it is that usually we do this a little bit earlier in the morning and we drink coffee and we get a coffee buzz going uh -huh. while we talk about technical musical things. Uh huh. And, um, yeah. Well, buzz is this, you know, another word for talking and chatting, just like right, right. Buzzfeed and all these other yeah. places out there talking about buzz. It's the the chatter. Uh, so yeah. basically, we came up with it as you know, music talk, basically. Um, yeah. But, uh, when I first searched out fret buzz, just fret buzz, the two words, uh, there were plenty of other people out there using the words fret buzz. So I figured because it was a podcast, we'll just tag the words, the podcast on the end, and that'll kind of single us out a little bit better. Um, and, it, and it seems to have worked. Yeah, I think that, you know, yes, you're right. Like buzz doesn't for a lot of things, but um, I don't know if the trademark examiner would say, okay, fret buzz actually means, and then what you just described it means about the guitar on the strings. And, um, but if they did do that, it would be a good thing because that's not, it doesn't necessarily describe the podcast. Like you're not talking about that. You're not talking about the strings when they have a problem and how that affects the sound mm -hmm. that would be considered descriptive. Like if you had a podcast about the definition of fret buzz, does that make sense? That would be considered descriptive, but that's not what your podcast really is. It's about music generally. Mm -hmm. So then I would say it's not, they probably wouldn't consider it descriptive, which is a good thing because then you avoid that descriptive issue. I mean, there's a number, I'm sorry, you know, I, I always come on these podcasts with the intention of saying, okay, I'm gonna make this as simple as possible. How do you not make this complicated? And then I listen to myself and I say, oh, I don't think you did that at all. <laughs> well, it's, it's trademark and copyright are, and you know, they have been forever for a long time, decades now. It's this mysterious thing that nobody really understands. I mean, even the podcast communities, week after month after year, it's always brought up over and over again about copyright and trademarking and. Uh, it, it just seems to be this elusive thing that is always there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell myself, like, I, well, I guess I don't find it that elusive now because, well, I deal with it mm -hmm. all the time and I really like it because I get to connect with creatives who kind of have to think about it. Yeah. Um, but, but it, it's really not that bad. It's not that bad once you have like this rundown of how it's supposed to work. And if you know that at least a trademark is supposed to protect your name, a slogan, a business name, a sound, 
and um, and a copyright, you know, protects, you know, like paintings, photographs, um, poems, lyrics, um, that sort of thing. Then, if you can draw that line of separation, I think you're already ahead of most people. Mm. So, and then you took it a step further by telling me that you had already applied for a trademark, which I did not know. So then you're already a little bit well versed on the topics of um, what could go wrong with your trademark application. Yeah. So, and then you brought in the title of your podcast, analyzing that, and now you understand like what it means to have a descriptive title, which now you know you don't necessarily do. So that's good. So I think those are the two biggest problems that could go wrong with a trademark that we've already covered. So the rest are, you know, if you have an attorney or even if you've done this enough times, like you could probably overcome those issues in a simple, straightforward manner. Okay. Um, brought up the word, the, the idea of copyright. Um, and I know for years for, I mean, I've talked to quite a few artists when it comes to copyright and I'm a little bit older. So um, there was this method where we used to record a song Mm -hmm. and then send it in the mail to ourselves and then just never open the package. And that, yeah. was, that was enough in court to hold up the fact that I, I wrote the song first. Um, what, for musicians out there in terms of copywriting their songs, what would you suggest? Because I know that for a lot of people, uh, especially nowadays, because people ripping each other off on YouTube all the time. They're just lifting samples and putting it into other people's songs. It happens all the time. Um, for those that may not have a lot of money mm -hmm. and they are looking to protect their music, what would you suggest uh, their plan of action be? Yeah, that's a really good question, too. Um you know, all of it always is going to boil down to proof, right? right? Proof and evidence. That's all That's all law cares about, really, is show me the proof and I'll tell you the answer. Okay. Um, and so what you just explained was like a, a way of providing some kind of evidence that, you know, you wrote it, but the proof was in the date, the stamp, right? right? Yeah. The proof is not necessarily in the actual pudding, which would be the lyrics, the, you know, or whatever it is that you wrote, right. the proof would be in that, well, not proof, but the evidence would be in that stamp, you know, like this is the day that I sent it to myself. And so this is the day that the earliest date that we can use to recognize um, that this document was in existence. Right. Right. Um, but, but, you know, it's obviously, it's, you know, it, you don't hear lawyers saying, go do that. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that just having any kind of backup that you can have, like simply put, you know, any kind of evidence, whether that means that you've been journaling, you know, if you journal your music, which some musicians do, um, or if you just have like a, you know, some artists have a sketchbook. Yeah. See, like some artists have a sketchbook like that taken as a whole shows that you that this is that this is a journey for you something that you've been doing for a while it's not just um something that you did one time and then you mailed it to yourself one time right you know what i mean um what else can be proved what about like I, for me i record um on my phone i have the little recording app yeah what's it called uh 
voice memo voice memos yeah and i'll i'll record myself in order to remember what i was doing Mm -hmm. and so i have like literally i can follow the the song being created you know here's when i only had the first verse and here's a couple days later when it's it's morphed into this would that be evidence enough yes yes and what i was gonna say and what better way than even that you know because your iphone or whatever it is that you're using to record it registers the date and time that it like goes into your phone so i mean you can't argue with that um you can't really alter the dates of those things so all of these things taken as a whole is what helps bolster your case you know i think the more things that you can have to support the fact that you did write it um and you've evidenced that on paper through audio uh through video um even conversations with friends although that's not as strong by itself uh, like i said all of these things taken as a whole i think um are the best ways to support you know what you wrote and when you wrote it it seems like you would never know if you were being ripped off the majority of the time. Like if no. you put something up, if you recorded a song, put it on YouTube, likelihood is that you'll never even know that some somebody pulled your music and put it with their video. Yeah, you know, and that's so funny because I think that too, you know, even as a lawyer, like I think, you know, how would you ever know if somebody copied your product unless they became really successful or it happened to cross paths with yours with yours how would you know if somebody ever copied your website you know like how would you know you you wouldn't know unless someone brought it up to you or they became so popular that it came to your attention um but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you stop creating i mean you still should go out and be innovative take whatever measures you can to protect what you do have, what you have created. And that's why you're listening to podcast episodes like this to at least have some little bits of information about how you're going to protect what you've created. You know, um, if you don't, you just like we explained right now, you don't have to have money. And I'm pretty sure that you already have an iPhone. Somehow people who don't have money still have an iPhone, which is fine. You know, use it. Um, use the voice recording, the voice memo thing. Um, you know, a journal isn't expensive. You could use like a yellow pad, so cheap. Um, so there's ways, there's ways, you know, this podcast is free. Nobody has to pay to listen to it, you know? So the whole point is, are you looking for ways to protect it? Or are you ignoring those ways so badly that you're almost asking to be ripped off instead? Yeah. That's great advice. What about, I, I feel like a lot of people, my understanding of song copyright, you can copyright a melody and lyrics, obviously. Uh-huh. You can't copyright the harmony, correct? You can't copyright the chord progression. Do either of you guys know? No, you can't copyright chord progressions. Cannot, because there's, no. there's only so many chord progressions. Right, correct. But I mean, melody, you can't. A million songs that use a... Yeah. GD E minor C. You're probably going to be able to give a more um, precise answer than even me, because to be honest, I do copyright registrations less so. But I was going to say no right off the bat anyway, because there are certain elections that you have to make when you're registering a copyright. And everything you just said is not one of them. 
So like you can't get that precise. Like it's the lyrics and it, it, is this a sound recording or is it a or is it the lyrics or are you doing both type thing? So, you know, so you copyright the sound recording, the actual physical recording of the song. Yes. Rather than the lyrics could be, you know, you could record multiple different tracks with those lyrics. Yeah. So, well, so you can record, you can register the copyright whichever way you want, whether it's the sound recording, the lyrics, or the, um, it's not melody, it's the, I can't think right now what the third thing is. But, so you can pick, you can pick which one you want to register. But it doesn't get as deep as like what you were just describing or asking. I guess why why I brought it up. What I was thinking of especially was the blurred lines controversy lawsuit that happened a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, with well, um, who was it with again? I do remember because I posted it on my Instagram. Yeah, it was uh, lawsuit. Who was it? It was one of the Motown guys. Um, Oh, um, it was Marvin, Marvin Gaye. Gay. Yeah. Yes. Against Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke. Yep. Yes. I remember, I remember at the time I was reading that article, but I can't remember what the outcome was, but now I want to know. So I'm going to Google it really quick. Yeah. yeah. They always come up um, from time to time, whether it's uh, Led Zeppelin or whether it's, I know, Chili Peppers that ran into one. I know Tom Petty ran into one. I know Joe Satriani's run into it. I know, I mean, it happens so much and it's hard. It's a hard, um, it's a hard road to kind of go down because as the music market is more and more saturated it's very hard to find the uniqueness behind even with like like i said with tom petty and um mary jane's last dance and red hot chili peppers with uh the same chord progression um, yeah that a minor g d a minor yeah um it it's i didn't realize that. it's hard it's it's <laughs> Yeah, so in that case, yeah. So there was a judgment against uh, Robin Thicke for yeah. in favor of Marvin Gaze estate for seven point three million. Um yeah, I mean it happens even now, like when you listen to songs on the radio, don't you think? And it sounds just like something else that you've heard in the past. Okay. You know? I, I you know, you think of that and then but not everybody goes around suing each other. And sometimes it just like if I was a musician, I would think, man, that sucks, you know? But I mean, if I was in Marvin Gaye's shoes or his relatives, I mean, I could understand, you know, like such an iconic musician, um, you know, years of hard work. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I always, uh, I don't know how I would feel actually in that moment. And I don't think any of us would unless we were actually in that situation, because sometimes it's easy to say, you know what, just let it slide. It's, they probably didn't do it on purpose. It's just the way the game works, the way the game is played. Um, but then other times you do wonder, like, okay, was any of it on purpose? Like, you know, how much did they take that little piece and then, like, mix it around, spin it around so that it it, it was different enough that it sounds just uh, in like an inspiration from and not the exact same thing from. Right. Um, so you never know. I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel. 
how would you guys feel? If you were on the, if you were being sued or if you were the one that saw somebody ripped your your music off? Yeah, someone took your stuff. I guess it would be frustrating. I would, you know, it might be worth, you'd get so much publicity from, you know, maybe people, hopefully people would go and listen to your, your original song if you, <laughs> if you brought it up, which might be worth more than anything, yeah. even I if think, you didn't yeah. win the lawsuit. I think for me, it would probably depend on how successful I was. Uh, if I were, you know, small time and I found that some big artist ripped me off, of course I would want to be compensated um, just because <laughs> that's, that's my stuff and you're making lots of money off of it. And I never, uh -huh. and I never got that opportunity versus the other way around. I think my personality is, is that, you know, um, I would probably have an open mind and saying, look, I'm, I'm a big star and my music's out everywhere. Of course, it's going to influence people. Um, mm -hmm. If it's a, if it's a blatant ripoff, then yeah, I might challenge it and I might try to see what the rest of their album sounds like and see if they've pulled more, you know, more from me <laughs> or more. other artists. Uh, but I mean, not, like I said, there's so much music out there. It's hard not to be influenced by somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, I like that perspective, actually. And I thought you were actually going to say the opposite. I thought you were going to say if you were small time, you wouldn't be upset. And if you were big time, you would be upset. Oh, no, quite the opposite. Quite. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good, because it actually reminded me of a story about Zara that I heard uh, a couple months ago. You know, there were these there are graphic designers who post their stuff all the time. And so some designer posted something on Instagram. I'm not sure if you guys heard the story. And then Zara took that design and then they put it on one of their jean shorts or something like that. And then, um, but I think that designer did like bring it up. They brought it up. Um, I don't know what the outcome of it was, but if you Google it, there's an article about it. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, in that situation, yeah, I mean, I, I could understand, you know, these people are working for, you know, for a pretty penny. Mm -hmm. um just trying to hustle and grind and then some big company just kind of come and comes and takes their idea so i mean yeah like i think they should be compensated but of course i'm sure that's what zara's position was is that you know it was just inspiration and not yeah. you know mm -hmm. not the exact same design yeah and the other you know, problem is, is that the, the bigger corporations they have the money to fight this and they they know that you know if they lift it from somebody that chances are they're gonna get away with it yeah chances are <laughs> yeah that's right no you're absolutely right i mean i hate to admit and i hate to put it that way but it's absolutely true mm -hmm. you know and even robin thick like when he was writing that song like maybe who, who knows like to this day sure like the court has said okay it sounds too similar to like you copyright infringed but to this day we we don't really know like okay did they do it on purpose or did they not do it on purpose right you know um but even if they did do it on purpose, like maybe even if he thought about what would happen in the event that he was caught for copyright infringement, like the the loss is just so minimal compared to the like what you were describing, like the fame and the notoriety and the attention and the press that he got from yes. this yeah. issue that it made him so much more than the seven point five or three that he had to pay. That's exactly so, right. You know, it's a game. It's a game. Like I said, it's all a game. Yeah, right now there's a big thing about, I mean, this is not important, but I guess they made a, a new movie um, from an old video game called Sonic, 
and there's there's an idea that the movie studios purposely put out this terrible trailer and knew everybody would be outraged by the trailer because they knew it would, it would be you know it would bring them publicity yeah. uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> and they've mm -hmm. already made the movie the way it's supposed to be but they've purposely released a terrible trailer just because they wanted the the uh, community to kind of build this movie up and it's just like oh wow the the ways people are trying to promote their, their material these days is rather interesting yep creative. yep marketing you know yeah. the things people will do for marketing mm -hmm. yeah so watch out guys <laughs> i want to go back to the idea of like if they purposefully ripped off the baseline in the blurred line song like i i think about I have my musical influences and when you're playing something, sometimes you really do, you'll play, you'll, you'll come up with a melody and then you'll be like, Oh, wait a minute. I think that's from a song. Like you might not have heard that song for like years, but they're only like, they're only 12 notes. I mean, you can go different octaves, but there are only so many possibilities and combinations that unless you're getting into like, you know, more complex, jazz and classical music if you're in kind of simpler pop and rock music it is it can be you can accidentally rewrite something that you've just heard a long time ago like it just kind of yes. comes out of you yeah. yes that's right and so you know back to the robin thick example so you know we will never know uh, you know we will just never know people might do it accidentally and people might do it purposefully but but it's you know it doesn't really matter i guess too too much it matters i'm not going to say it doesn't but it doesn't matter too too much for the purposes of finding copyright infringement awesome well, well yeah i want to be respectful of your time before we close out i do um in terms of trademark um and that whole package for our listeners just so they can kind of get a little bit of an idea of costs how much ballpark idea of money are we talking in terms of trying to brand your 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 name yeah so if you're trying to register your trademark i think you can you know like most lawyers will charge somewhere between like 600 to like a thousand mid 1000 okay um you say maybe a thousand or one maybe one thousand no, mid one thousand. Mid one thousand. Like some will go eighteen hundred, some will go fifteen hundred. Um, I've heard of some that will go up to like two thousand, but that includes everything. Um, so I think it just depends, like what what it is that you're willing to pay for. Like, are you paying for office actions in advance? Are you including the USPTO fee? Are you, you know, how involved are you going to be in the process? There are clients that want to be super involved they want notices and updates all the time and then there are clients that you know just say call me with the good news um and so it just depends on all those things okay what does it cost if you were to go i can't remember what i paid exactly but if you just go you can go to the like copyright.gov right yeah so copyright.gov is for registering a copyright but if you're registering um a trademark you're going to go to uspto.gov okay and yeah. what you can do that on your own, correct? Like I tried. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you can do it on your own. So the fees for just doing it on your own is, of course, just your time and then the application fee, which is um, $275 per category. So if you're going to have more than one category, then you need to multiply that $275 by however many you have. Um, but yeah, you can do it on your own. And I would just say that as a word of caution, be very careful about what category you choose because that is um, one of the most important designations that you will make once you have selected it. Um, it's very hard to to change it. You can only really narrow it after that. You can't really broaden it. And the next piece of advice I would say is um, make sure that the drawing or the word mark that you submit is also exactly what you want to protect. Because once you submit that, there is no turning back. You would have to start a brand new application. So like, um, you have to be even more careful about that than the category designation. Because the category designation, at least you can narrow, but with the drawing or the word mark that you submit, there is no changing it. Okay. Can you can you go to this category idea? What are a couple categories you might register your trademark as? I, yeah, I was gonna ask, because I know for um, musicians, there is this pull between music mm -hmm. and, and entertainment. And which one do I pick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most of the ones that I've seen are usually fall in both or either of those and also merchandise. So like they'll choose um, uh, entertainment services in the nature of live performances. Hmm. Um, they'll also choose uh, like CD recordings, CD audio visual recordings. Um, they'll choose, um, yeah, like I said, merchandise. So clothing, like sweatshirts, hoodies, hats. Um, but usually when you type in the word, um, like audio or recordings, you're going to see a tremendous list of things that pop up and then you can select the ones that sound most appropriate to what you are. But generally speaking, that's like, if you're an entertainer, a performer, a musician, generally speaking, those are going to be applicable to you. And, and just out of curiosity for a podcast with how would that work? Oh, wow. So, a podcast, <laughs> yeah, a podcast, um, I would, I would say entertainment services probably, but obviously not in the nature of a live performance unless it is live. Um, and it wouldn't be a performance. Um, and also an audio recording. Um, and also, you know, what I suggest too is like, if you're kind of sketchy on what exactly you want to register, a good way to find out is like type in the name of your favorite podcast that you know has a registered trademark and kind of play around with the descriptions that those people have used. So, you know, sometimes you can use that as inspiration to tailor it to whatever it is that you're offering. Sometimes it might not be the exact same thing because maybe you offer a little bit more, or a little bit less than what they do, um, but you can get an idea based on what they're said. Can you go? To, can you actually look up uh, wh whether it's like Joe Rogan or something like on on yeah. the USPTO website, and you can see what that he's registered there. Yeah, you definitely can. You okay. can. Um, I'm gonna do that right now, real quick, with you guys, just because I want you to see. So if you just look up Joe Rogan podcast trademark, then you will get. Well, you can either do it through Google or you can do it through Test, which is. T-E-S-S, the number two, dot USPTO, dot gov. And then you're going to do a basic, a basic word mark search. I don't know. Yeah, you probably can't. It's not focused. Oh, there it is. 
T okay. Yeah. Tmsearch.uspto.gov. And then in the search term box, like I'm just gonna type in Joe Rogan. I'm not even gonna put it in podcast. I'm gonna see what it says. Oh, there's nothing. No test records. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but then now I'm gonna delete that, and then I'm just gonna type in the word podcast. And then, wow, look at all of these results for people okay. who have registered a podcast. The name of a podcast. And so it's gonna say. Do you notice? Can you see where it says live? Right there, it'll say live or dead. So you kind of want to pay attention to the ones that say live. So the Boss Up podcast, for example, registered in entertainment services, namely providing podcasts in the nature of interviews and other original works, which describe and inspire modern female CEOs. So that's the part that I was talking about, like entertainment services. Yes, that's generally applicable to podcasts to entertainers. But the part that's going to be tailored to you specifically is the part after namely. It's going to depend on what it is that you're offering in your podcast or maybe what type of musical performances um, you offer, you know? So like a Tony Robbins isn't going to be the same thing as like Metallica. Metallica is not going to be the same thing as like an interview style podcast like yours. Right. Wow. This is really helpful. Yeah. Great. The hands-on stuff. <laughs> Glad we did this. Yeah, and you know, if you guys have any questions at all, of course, I'm sure you already know, you guys can reach out to me. I try to make myself pretty accessible on social media um, and on podcasts like these. So, you know, you can go to MarcellaTM.com, find me on Instagram as Arts Music Lawyer, Facebook Arts Music Lawyer, um, or just type in my name, Marcella Dominguez, somewhere on iTunes or somewhere in the virtual world, and my information will pop up. Awesome. awesome. How do you spell your website again? Like so you it's spell Marcella. It out? Yeah, yeah. It's M A R C E L L A T M for trademark.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, is there a way for them to do that through your website? Yep. I do have a contact page there. Um, or they can just message me on any one of the social media platforms Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, IG. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. This yeah. has been great. Yeah. Thank oh, you. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it's going to be your turn to be on mine. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, you've been, you've been a, fu a fun personality to have on the show. You're actually our Good. first female guest, which what? we didn't intend on doing at all, but <laughs> we, uh, we were like, finally, we needed, we needed this. You know what? And that's really great to hear on Mother's Day weekend. Like, there is nothing yeah. more pivotal that I could say to my daughter than you can be the first female guest on a podcast if you push. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have more in the future. We're working out. We've got uh, the dean of George Mason's jazz department is supposed oh, to come on awesome. at some point. Yep. Uh -huh. So we, we're, we're trying to get more ladies on the show. Yeah. Awesome. I love hey. it. If there are any lady listeners out there that think they have something to offer on the show, <laughs> please reach out to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, if there's anybody at all, guys or anybody, please contact us if you think that you might be a good fit as a co-host. If you think you have a interesting angle or an interesting story, anything music related, we'd love to have you to for you to reach out. Awesome. I love well, it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Marcella. We we really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. You week. as well. Bye. Bye.